Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, it's Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast. It's Monday, August 29th. Electing Private Ryan. Well, actually, Pat Ryan was more than a private when he served as a combat intelligence officer serving two tours of duty in Iraq. And now he's much more than a county executive from the Mid-Hudson Valley who was special election Uh, who won a special election to serve a few months in Congress because the 19th Congressional District was one of those places where Donald Trump won in 2016 and then Joe Biden won in 2020, but only by less than two points. And because Ryan won on a campaign about choice, democracy, and freedom, while his Republican opponent, Mark Molinaro, ran on crime and inflation, exactly the contrast we're seeing nationally, right, as Democrats try to hold and Republicans try to take the House. So, are little old Kingston and New Paltz, Rhinebeck and Poughkeepsie, Ellenville and the Catskills up through areas both east and west of Albany, are all those humble places the August bellwether for American politics in November? We'll find out for sure then, but maybe his time as a West Point trained combat intelligence officer, and I don't even know what the rank is for that, but it's got to be higher than private, gave Pat Ryan an eye for how the moment connects with the country's deeper values. So let's meet Ulster County Executive and Congressman-elect Pat Ryan. Congressman-elect, congratulations, and thank you for giving us some time today during your transition. I'm sure it's busy. Welcome to WNYC. Oh, thank you, Brian. It's an honor to be with you. Can we let people get to know you first a little bit, and then we'll dive into the national politics of it all. Where did you grow up, and how did you decide to apply to West Point? Sure. I grew up here in Kingston, first capital of New York State, by the way. Uh, Very proud of that. Um, And my mom was a public school teacher. My dad ran a small business here, and they really drilled into me the importance of community and, and public service. And so for me at at 18, that meant going to West Point about an hour south of here where I'd fallen in love as a kid going to going to game football games and and the beautiful grounds. And, um, you know, then you show up and you do your first day of uh, beast barracks where you get hazed all day long and you realize, oh, maybe this wasn't quite uh, (laughs) quite what they put in the marketing materials here. (laughs) Yeah, the glory doesn't start on day one. Right. I don't know if you heard the beginning of my intro. (laughs) when I said our lead story to begin this week is electing Private Ryan, but that actually you must have been more than a private when you served as a combat intelligence officer, two tours of duty in Iraq, et cetera. What was your rank for that? And without divulging any national security secrets, how would you briefly describe the nature of the work you did in that capacity? Sure. I was, uh, I left my active duty as an army captain. So, um, uh, relatively, you know, low, low, middle, middle level, uh, officer. Um, I had an amazing job in combat as a, uh, infantry battalion intelligence officer. So basically uh, serving in the city of Mosul, which at the time was one of the most violent places in Iraq and had to figure out what the heck was going on. You know, who, who were the uh, political leaders? Who were the leaders of the insurgency? How did we keep people safe? How did we try to help rebuild the country? And, um, really informed the operations of about a thousand person army battalion. So it was extremely intense. 
extremely rewarding and, um, you know, segue to some of the things happening in our world right now. One of my most solemn responsibilities as an intelligence officer with a top secret SCI clearance was to secure classified material, which unfortunately we've not seen uh, others do around the country. Oh, you're going there. So does that experience give you any particular take on the classified documents that the Justice Department affidavit says were at Mar-a-Lago? Absolutely. You could ask anyone with a top secret clearance if if I or anyone else had done that and so blatantly mishandled and disrespected security protocol, we would be in jail. And I think that no one should be above the law when it comes to guarding national secrets, when it comes to guarding HCS human uh, sources and other secretive sources and methods. This is deadly serious stuff, and we have to handle it with with full trust. The ones marked human intelligence or special intelligence, both of those categories, seem to be getting the most attention in the press coverage since the affidavit was released on Friday. Uh, can you, with your experience, describe a little bit about what human intelligence as a marking on documents means or special intelligence? Sure. HCS is basically a very highly classified compartment of, of intelligence where you're protecting an individual human who's almost certainly put their life at risk to divulge very secretive information. So leaking of that in many cases can result in that person losing their life or being targeted you know, by, by the, the country that they're essentially divulging the information from. So that is extremely sensitive stuff. And SI generally refers to signals intelligence. And again, some of our most sophisticated and highly protected ways to gather information about adversaries and keep our country safe. So to have that just lying around, it just, it, it's just unbelievable to anyone who's dealt with this sort of information and intelligence before. Uh, a listener tweets addressing me, I have not heard you or anyone else ask the question, what was Trump's motive to steal all those classified documents? And I don't know if steal is exactly right, but he took them. What did he plan to do with them? And truth is, I have, that, I have asked that question, and I've heard others ask it as well, but I haven't heard anybody come up with an actual plausible theory. Do you have one? Uh, that's one I try to not uh, get ahead of myself and speculate on what might be going on in the former president's head. That seems like a pretty dark and scary place to go. Uh, I'll just say, I think the, the fact that the Espionage Act was part of the justification of the affidavit is not an accident. And that's something that really needs to be looked deeply at. And I'm sure that folks are looking at that now. And as we continue to do your bio a little bit and introduce you to people, I see you've got a master's degree in security studies from Georgetown with a concentration in terrorism and sub-state violence. And you ran a tech company called Prescient. Am I saying that right? Analytics, like Prescient, but with an A, that sold tech solutions to national security, intelligence, and homeland defense customers, as your bio page there described it. So may I ask, does that experience give you any take on how to prevent against the rising threat of right-wing domestic terrorism? Maybe you saw the Lindsey Graham quote from the last day. Uh, since you went there on, on the affidavit and stuff, uh, Lindsey Graham said, 
There'll be riots in the streets if Trump is prosecuted for possession of classified documents after Hillary Clinton wasn't. And we see the threats now against FBI agents and Election Day poll workers and other things that, as you well know, have been reported in the news. So does your experience in in grad school or in the field give you any take on how to prevent against the rising threat of domestic terrorism? Well, I think if we zoom out, we have to realize, and I think a lot of more and more people are, we are at an extremely delicate, dangerous moment for our democracy. And so much of the campaign here, this special election, was about explicitly calling that out and saying when fundamental freedoms like abortion access and the right for a woman to and a person to choose what to do uh, with their body and such an important healthcare decision, when those are ripped away, it's part of a broader set of multi-front threats and challenges to our democracy, including as well under that umbrella, uh, threats to voting rights, uh, increased toxicity and and far-right extremist nationalist ideology. All of this is brewing at the same time and coming together at the same time that, by the way, we're putting more deadly assault weapons, the same weapons I carried in combat, onto our streets. And so it really is so much of the reason why I wanted to, to run and seek this office is that I love this country. I mean, I love our democracy and it, it is it is so fragile and so delicate right now. And we need people that believe in it to get in here and figure out how do we sort this all out. And, and I think what we saw in the outcome of this special election here up up in the Hudson Valley was people see that happening. People understand what's at stake. We certainly centered choice and freedom in, in the race um, as it related to abortion rights, but it's much broader than that. And I think people are smart and they get what's happening and that if we don't get back in the fight and really fight for our democracy, we're in real trouble. Chris in Delaware County, you're on WNYC. Hi, Chris. Hey, and congrats, Congressman-elect. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling from rural Delaware County where Democrats love to lose. I'm wondering if you have any ideas on how we could improve our messaging, because when I talk to my conservative neighbors, oftentimes they articulate uh, progressive needs. Yeah, exactly right. And um, you you definitely get it on the ground there in Delaware County. Uh, I, I think so much of what we need to do, and it's really, really hard work, is to your point, remind people of the values that we share in common. And I did talk an awful lot and will continue to talk about freedom as an overarching umbrella, not just in terms of abortion rights, but we, we talked a lot about the economic inequities and the economic injustices happening in in rural areas like ours. Uh, Our second big TV ad, which got a lot less coverage than the first, was actually talking about how our local utility here has been consistently ripping off uh, customers, misbilling them, orders of magnitude higher bills than they should at a time where people feel so much economic pain and pressure. So I think a lot of what we need to talk about is the fact that at the same time that the biggest companies in our country are making record-breaking profits, People, millions of people are, are sitting around the table figuring out how to how to pay utility bills, how to pay for gas at the pumps, how to put food on the table, health care costs, 
um, and their own taxes while those big corporations are paying no taxes. And so to see federal legislation like the Inflation Reduction Act that addresses all that gives us a lot more ammunition to talk about how we're delivering. And, and I think that as long as we talk about it under the framework of sort of freeing that weight that people feel on their shoulders, that's not a partisan thing at all. That's, that's what 99% of people in this country are feeling right now. Chris, thank you for your call from Delaware County. Southwest of Albany, for people who don't know where that is, kind of Oneonta to west of Woodstock, sort of around there. Um, your guiding messages in the congressional special election campaign were about what you've called freedom, choice, and democracy. I think we know what choice refers to right now. And more or less, we know what democracy refers to, though I think we don't always. But I'm curious about the word freedom there, which is a word that's been used much more by the right in recent years, the right-wing Freedom Caucus in the House. And it's a libertarian word for not having strong environmental laws or progressive income taxes and things like that, as I'm sure you know. So when a Pat Ryan runs on freedom, what do you have in mind? Well, I, I have in mind the fact that Right now, folks are, one, scared and, and worried about rights being taken away, certainly uh, worried about uh, abortion rights. They're worried about, like I am as a parent of a three-year-old and a seven-month-old, dropping their kids off at school or daycare and then being gunned down by the same weapons I carried in combat. They're worried about voting rights. They're worried about climate. So much of what I mean by freedom is we need to take those worries and pressures away, both both those existential uh, worries I talked about, but but especially the the worries at at, at the kitchen table. And it, it really has to be a, a one two sort of combo of we're standing up to fight to protect your fundamental rights, and at the same time we are providing you relief here on the ground. I talked equally or more about the, the economic relief I've provided as county executive for the community. We cut our county gas tax in half because most people around here have no other option but to drive to get everywhere that they need. We provided millions in small business relief as our local small businesses were getting hammered and the big box stores and the Amazons were making record-breaking profits. Um, and I just proposed the single biggest property tax cut in our county in 40 years since the, the year I was born in 1982. So we have to show people that we're delivering relief, that we hear them and that it's tangible. Um, and, and that all ties back to me to really freedom from this dread and this weight that is on so many families shoulders right now coming out of the pandemic. I am in the South Slope, Brooklyn neighborhood, but also has a house in Ulster County. I am your aunt WNYC with Congressman-elect Pat Ryan, who's also the Ulster County Executive. Hi there. Hello, Brian. Uh, I'm a serial caller and proud one. Um, we have a place in uh, Arkville outside of, uh, in the very western corner of Ulster County. And uh, full disclosure, I'm a climate activist uh, working with NYSERDA on uh, a program to retrofit buildings in Brooklyn. Uh, I would like to hear if you have some ideas to join together the rural and Hudson Valley areas uh, with the city 
for climate progress. Um, a lot of issues there, but I wonder if you have any ideas. Absolutely, and we've been doing a lot of this work already. As you, as you probably know, the Hudson Valley has been at the forefront of climate and, and environment for a long time. Um, one of the things that we've uh, done a lot of work on at the county level uh, is actually a, a major building retrofit program where we used, um, again, our federal COVID relief funds to set up a, a, a pool of several million dollars for those that probably otherwise wouldn't be able to afford to do so to retrofit their homes to improve energy efficiency, bring down their utility costs and add significant home equity equity value. So that's one area where we're, we're doing a lot of work on building emissions and really economic and environmental justice. Um, the other area that we've done a lot is actually in our transportation system. You know, Ulster County alone, where the county executive is the size of Rhode Island, this congressional district, the 19th, is the size of Massachusetts and Rhode Island put together. And, and the only way for a lot of people to get around is a good public transit system. I'm really proud that we actually put our first three fully electric buses on the road this year uh, in, in Ulster County, one of the first in the country to get our fleet electrified. That would be a, you know, transportation emissions in rural parts of the country are the single biggest emitter ahead of even buildings in, in, in more urban areas. So bringing down emissions there, particularly around public transit, is a huge opportunity where I think we have a lot more work that we can do, especially with access to some of the bipartisan infrastructure bill funds, which will flow into our sort of transit sectors here across the state and across the country. I am keep calling us. People used to only identify themselves as first-time callers if they were calling for the... Now they say, I'm a second-time caller. I'm a serial caller, that guy said. Keep calling us. Uh, I know we have one minute left before you got to go. I'll give it to a listener via Twitter who asks, I'm a resident of Congressman-elect Ryan's current and next district. Can Pat give a quick 101 on how he's not moving anywhere, but thanks to redistricting, we'll be running in the 18th in November instead of the 19th. So you want to do 60 seconds on the race that you now have to run immediately after winning your last one? Yes, congratulations on win. Now you get to, to, to do it again, which we're excited to do. Uh, yes, New York redistricting was certainly a, a bumpy, as I'm sure you've, you've covered, Brian, on your program. Um, the, the fact that uh, although my family and I are not moving, uh, we are going to be in a newly numbered district can be a little bit confusing, um, but I am, I'm really proud to be running and, and serving in a place where I was literally born and raised, uh, where I graduated high school, where I graduated West Point, uh, which is now in, in the new 18th, and where we're raising our family. We live in Gardner, which is a little, little, little town right outside of New Paltz. And um, look, the stakes in this race in November are actually even higher, I believe, than the special election that we just won. My opponent in this race has literally cheered on insurrectionists. He's taking campaign contributions from traders like Rudy Giuliani. He's sort of uh, refused to, to call out Proud Boys and Oath Keepers who have active chapters here in our community that are supporters of his campaign. He's stood by and watched kids get gunned down and, and maintain an A-plus rating from the NRA. Uh, and he is avowedly championed and cheered the the row being ripped away um, and and literally thinks that doctors and healthcare providers helping victims of rape and incest should be criminalized. So that is the nature of 
the insidious extremist threat in, in the Republican Party. And we have to take that on in November. We have to win. And um, I'm confident that that we can, but we, we need everybody's help and we need to raise awareness of the stakes. Well, if you win in November, we look forward to having you on many times as you serve a full term. As you can hear from our callers, uh, we see ourselves as kind of a regional hub. We have callers from South Jersey to the North Country in New York and to a bit of New England. And so you're right in the middle of all that. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again if you win. Thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate you having me. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.